Hello, and welcome to First Geek 411 Book Club. Uh, you can find us on all the socials at OneGeek411 and our PlayStation community. Join us over on our Discord server to chat about all things geeky. You can email us at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. And don't forget to watch us live every Monday on Twitch at 645 Mountain Time. And you can also find us on YouTube and rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Shanine, and I am joined by Cameron. Hello. And Chris. Oi. And Emma. Heyo. And we're talking The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Um, in this story, we follow Ichabod Crane, a school teacher in a nice quiet valley who is a rival with Brom Bone as they compete for the hand of the flirtatious Katrina Von Tassel. Um, this is not a love story though. This takes place in Sleepy Hollow where ghosts abound and not just any ghosts. Allow me to quote at you. <laughs> quote at us, Janine, quote at us. Thank you. Go Thank for you. it. I'm ready. The dominant spirit, however, that haunts this enchanted region and seems to be commander-in-chief of all the powers of the air is the apparition of a figure on horseback without a head. It is said by some to be the ghost of a Hessian trooper whose head had been carried away by a cannonball in some nameless battle during the Revolutionary War and who is ever and anon seen by the country folk hurrying along in the gloom of night as if on the wings of the wind. Such is the general purport of this legendary superstition which has furnished materials for many a wild story in that region of shadows and the specter is known at all the country firesides by the name of the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. And because someone asked it in chat, for those that don't know, a Hessian is a German mercenary soldier. Yeah. Fought on the side of the Britons during the Revolutionary War. Which I learned through lore. They are not good people. <laughs> Long story short. Yeah. Maybe I did too. <laughs> <laughs> facts Alrighty, um let's get into it then um our first question is a bit of a two-parter one have you read this book before and two what did you know or remember about the story before reading it this time so for me yes i have read this story before and I remembered more than was even in the story. Because it was like that compounding lore situation <laughs> where obviously this is a very short story and obviously with like modern interpretations, like there's modern takes. So like my brain just combined it all together and it's like, oh, this wasn't actually in the book. Oops. <laughs> For me, um, I had read it a long time ago um, and like maybe like in middle school or something like that. And um, I remembered most of it. 
Um, obviously there's like specific details and stuff like that, that I didn't remember, but in terms of like general plot point, I, I remembered most of it. Bill, have never read it before and beforehand could not have even made the connection between the story and the Headless Horseman. So I was just completely clueless. I had heard of it, but I had, the most exposure I had to it was the Disney take when I was like eight. And that was it. So this was my first proper exposure to the legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I quite enjoyed it. So nice. Yeah, I had forgotten that I had read it before, but it turns out I have. And yeah, kind of like Chris, like I've seen various interpretations and they all just kind of blend together into mm -hmm. one. I always expect there to be like way more headless horsemen than there is. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's like, that was like one of my biggest things. I was like, oh, he's a very small part of the story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'll, yeah. And I'll say that's definitely one of the things that like one of the, like the specific details I didn't remember. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely thought, like, like we'll get more into the plot, but I definitely thought that the Headless Horseman specifically, like, had been haunting Ichabod a lot longer than when he, sh than yeah. what he shows up for in the book. Or a lot more times well, or things like that. Yeah. Especially for, like, a short story that's classified under, like, scary or horror to some extent, you would expect there to be more of the haunter mm -hmm. if you will the the source of the scariness to be in that short story but really like the hellless horseman is talked about but he doesn't really show up until the last what three to four pages <laughs> pretty much if you will <laughs> also like like for some reason like i remember like other people disappearing but that never happens yeah and it, it, it also feels like like most of the other stories relating to him like throughout the story are just made up. Like as a result. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, this is just a common story. Well, oh yeah, I saw him the other night kind of situation. Like when they're talking about him, it's like, sure you did. More it's more like people showing off their peacock feathers than right. anything. So oh yeah, I raised him. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> On my Big old steed. And I beat him too. <laughs> buff. <laughs> and only I can handle. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> um, shout out to Greg for that first question. Um, I guess, what was your favorite part or a part that stands out to you? For me, one that got me laughing actually was right towards the beginning just the general description of Ichabod was like the some of the sort of details that they go into just had me laughing because it was there's a my favorite quote is in that section so I won't share that until we get into that part but I just that specifically the whole description of Ichabod at the start was hilarious um because he's like a scarecrow standing out in a field or something. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just a great depiction that really got you thinking about who the main focus is. Similarly for me, 
Um, I really like the description and kind of the battle um, between Ichabod and Brom. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and we'll, this will come up more a bit later on, but I like that it's it's kind of the stereotypical brains versus brawn. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but it's also not. Like that's also not what's going on either. And so I just think that that's very interesting. And I I enjoyed that, that side of the story. I like Ichabod and food. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Like the, like when, when Ichabod approaches food, I love those descriptions. I'm like, yeah, relate. I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and, that's- and I mean everything. <laughs> I saw this spread of food at her farm and I fell in love with her. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, what? what just happened? <laughs> you fell in love with her, but you really fell in love with her food is what you're saying. Well, ultimately, like in terms of the story, he falls in love with the idea of being well off enough that he could eat like that, like nightly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> if only we could all be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the final, um, I guess, ghost chase between Ichabod and the Headless mm-hmm. Horseman. Definitely the most like action-packed part of the story. Um, but just everything leading up to it, like oh, he saw something white in the tree and was convinced it was a ghost. Oh, he heard his saddle yeah. rubbing and was convinced it was a ghost. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's like that date. Also, we have to realize there's no streetlights. It's, yeah, it's very dark. Well, he also spends so much time psyching himself mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. that when he's actually like walking home in the dark, it's all mental. He's yeah. just scaring himself more than anything else because he's psyching himself up through reading these books about witchcraft and things. No, it reminds me of the times that like me and my friends would watch horror movies or go to haunted houses and then we just mm-hmm. try and see who could freak each other out the most afterwards. And yeah. like you're yeah. not really scared of anything, but you're just like so scared at the same time. Yeah. One of the things I really liked um now I can't remember the name of it, but there's there's a mention of him, of Ichabod having a book, um, I think from Travis Ma- Traver Mathers. He's one of the guys that was one of the judges in the Salem Witch Trials. Yes, the, the um, book on... Yes, and I, I forget the actual mm-hmm. name. Um, I'm trying to... Um, Cotton Mathers, maybe. Um, or maybe that's the son, I don't remember. The Mather family. Um, and they were like real people in the Salem Witch Trial. And like actually like wrote that's I think that the book they mentioned is a real book. Yes. Cotton Mather's history of New England witchcraft. Yes, that one. Um, and so like that's like a real thing. Um, and so I thought that that it like and would definitely for someone like Ichabod, like who to so what Emma was saying, like very much psychs himself up. Like it's definitely makes yeah. so much sense that he would have this book, he would be super invested in this lore, he would see witches around every corner. And I just loved that little detail and like that shout out to real like New England history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also it, it like cites him like he would regularly go out and spend time in the dark to psych himself up too. Like, like just experiencing it. And like, as a yeah. result, like not only that, bringing stories from his original life in Connecticut too, to do so. Um, 
like that that was his contributions because he hadn't actually interacted with the the headless horseman mm-hmm. um until mm-hmm. till later um so like he's like oh you guys are talking about the headless horseman let me tell about you my, some of my stories from connecticut it's like okay mm-hmm. yeah can we talk about his horse gunpowder <laughs> i love the name gunpowder. Poor gunpowder it's that is actually honestly a great name for a horse especially for me being a horse like an animal person if you have what is incorrectly named a wild horse because it's technically feral it is a great name for a feral horse and my guess is gunpowder was probably a feral horse before he became a ranch hand essentially um hence the reason he probably got the name gunpowder um because they can be super I, I just like Crazy. that it's like this old horse. <laughs> yeah. It's like probably should have been put down. That too. <laughs> um, probably well beyond its prime. <laughs> yeah. And just like, oh, by the way, so we're just gonna like in the story, it's like we're gonna build up his 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 rival, give his rival this awesome horse. <laughs> and then here comes Ichabod on a borrowed horse that's well past its prime. Yeah, but also, like, is a MVP though. Like I mean, it's true. As we go into like, yeah. I mean, like it's it's a couple questions down, but favorite character. I mean, gunpowder is at gun least up <laughs> like of the like four choices you have right. in the entire story. <laughs> All right. Um, any least favorite parts? We kind of hit it on on at the beginning, but they're not being more headless horsemen. Yeah. <laughs> like that was really like like it's I mean with it being could have done with more yeah, like with it being so short, like it, it's kind of hard to have a least favorite part, especially like compared to like yeah. last month when we did Sherlock and it was very easy to have mm-hmm. a least favorite of those short stories. True. Mm-hmm. Like um it, it's it's very hard because it, it's kind of just the story that just tells its story and then it's done. And like Yeah. Well the, it doesn't drag it yeah. on too long. Also some very unnecessary things in this too. It's like there are. Let's let's describe like, the schoolhouse and the locking he, mechanisms. Yeah. This or random he spends fact. like two paragraphs talking about birds. <laughs> yeah. And then three pages later, he spends another two paragraphs <laughs> talking about birds. It's just like, okay, it's like are these birds relevant? <laughs> no. Is the fact not that the a thief can break into the schoolhouse but might not be able to find his way out relevant? Because nothing ever happens regarding that. So I mean, I think those things' main purpose would be to, like, establish the historicity of it all. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a true story because look at all these boring everyday facts that I can tell you about this place. That is fictional. (laughs) But it's real. (laughs) Well, after the story came out, yeah, the town renamed themselves Sleepy Hollow. (laughs) And then to be fair, based on what I was Therefore reading, the region real. was Sleepy Hollow before. Oh, that I mean, and yeah. that's and then, but yeah. and then I looked that up after you mentioned that, Chris, and they renamed themselves Sleepy Hollow in 1990s. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like right after this story; it's like a hundred and something after years. They're like, oh, let's do this. Popular with yeah. the current youths. Yeah, I was shocked that it was that long after the it was book like came after out. like the media interpretation. So after we had movies and stuff about the book. Mm-hmm. That's funny. But yeah, it's just like a random fact about the schoolhouse. It's like it's like okay, like it, like it'd be great if someone like broke in and couldn't get themselves out and like it was discovered like it was a piece of Ichabod being ha- thinking he's haunted. 
Um, but it just turned out someone broke into a schoolhouse and couldn't get out. Yeah. But the images that I got <laughs> in my head with the schoolhouse actually was those old raccoon traps mm -hmm. where the it's literally you stick something shiny in it, and literally the way the trap works is they see it and go, ooh, shiny. They stick their hand in to grab it. And when they make the fist, they can't pull their fist back out again. Mm -hmm. But if they let go of the shiny thing, they can get out. But because they're raccoons, they don't let go of the shiny mm -hmm. thing. So uh, the whole time I was reading this and the schoolhouse came up, I just got images in my head of Ichabod teaching raccoons, <laughs> of all things. <laughs> Isn't it mentioned that Brahm and his his crew like break would break into the schoolhouse and rearrange stuff in Ichabod's classroom? Yeah, yeah. but then it specifically so, like, says they got out. Right. Like that said, yeah. like that's like to the, to the, to those details. It's like, it, I mean, it, it kind of again gets to that idea of like brains versus bronze, where Ichabod just isn't yeah. that smart. Um, but like, um, so he's like making these traps, and then like Brom and his people are just like walking in and being like, okay, like <laughs> just like walking we over. We can him. just shove the door yeah. down if we want to. <laughs> So, I, I mean, like, probably the best part about this book is, like, all the added lore that's been added to it to complete the story, more mm -hmm. so than the story itself. I love this story. I mean, like, I really yeah. enjoyed it for the most part, but it's just, like, because, I mean, fortunately, it wasn't, like, a full novel where you wasted a ton of time talking about things like that just to get to one chapter of The Headless Horseman. So that's that's fine. Yeah. So, I mean, like all in all the headless horseman is a big part of it because of the length of the story mm -hmm. in general but if it was longer it would definitely be like okay why <laughs> you might as well just name the name the book ichabod crane <laughs> oh okay just wants to eat <laughs> <laughs> um so back to gunpowder who is your favorite and least favorite characters i mean gunpowder <laughs> yeah like like gunpowder like, as like a gunpowder is like the real mvp like just putting in the yeah. work like no appreciation and he didn't die that night which is crazy for an older yeah. horse like i'm surprised it just mm -hmm. like that wasn't part of the story that the scare caused the horse to have a heart attack and die yeah <laughs> um it just goes home after losing its riders, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like like Brom and his gang like playing pranks on Ichabod. And the whole town is just like, eh, yeah, whatever. Like, nothing happens here anyway. <laughs> Who cares if, like, if the local teacher is being terrorized by this gang of misfits? Yeah. Brom is one of my Brom favorites too. Like he's kind of a knucklehead and brawny, but like it says he's generally well liked and it's like mostly a decent yeah. person and i'm like yeah just like kind you of know, like um a farm boy he's nice playing some pranks mm -hmm. yeah yeah he, his character reminded me of like gaston a little yeah a little bit yeah. a little yeah. bit like, i was not thinking um, yeah but yeah. like less sleazy like, yeah. but like like if you take gaston and combine him with um what's his name for the princess bride Andre? Fezzik? Andre. Oh, yeah, Andre's. Is that Fezzik? I think Fezzik's a character so. and yeah. then Andre the Giant. Andre the yeah. Giant's the person, yeah. So if you take those two and combine them together, <laughs> then I feel like you would get this guy right here. 
It's like, no, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would agree. Like, I, I mean, I, I like what he brought and definitely more of an appealing character in a sense. Granted, definitely like that jockish kind of popular character that just gets away with stuff. Yeah. Don't yeah. care for that aspect <laughs> of him. Right. But this kind of um, ties into my least favorite character, Ichabod Crane. Like, he's just so easy not to like. And, yeah. like, you kind of, like, that's kind of why I identify with Abram, is it's just, like, you kind of want to just prank Ichabod. Like, not hurt him yeah. by any means, but, like, there's that, well, and he just kind of needs to, like. Ichabod is kind of, like, that that person in real life who's, like, obviously smart, but he's so smart that he can be super sneaky about the things that he's doing. And you know he's doing whatever bad is going on, but you can't prove it to anyone else. Yeah, Ichabod is just so, like, full of himself. And I -hmm. think there was the one part where it talks about, like, he wants to marry Katrina and be, like, super wealthy and stuff so that he wouldn't have to be friends with the local school teacher. And I'm like, you jerk. Yeah, like you think yeah. you're so much better than everyone, and like, but Ichabod redeems himself in his love for food. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris's love but, of anime but, but, is showing here. Like, he just wants a main character that'll eat a bunch of ramen. That's really all he wants. <laughs> That's yeah. all I need. It's like I'll ignore all your other faults <laughs> if I if if you just love just food. because you love food. just because you love food because. That's a great motivator in life. But yes, Ichabod is a terrible character otherwise. <laughs> like, and which is so different than like my like concept of him, like in general, like through the modern interpretations or like through the movies and everything. He's like, he's actually pretty decently smart in everything else or in his modern portrayals in the movies in every other take that I remember at least. Um, for the most part. Again, where the main character's personality in the original source is different. Oh, definitely, for sure. From the personality <laughs> that the media makes it out to be. Yeah. <laughs> See the entire conversation we had about it at last month's book club right. concerning Sherlock. <laughs> right. But... I mean, in general, and like, also, obviously, we had we put Ichabod in a modern role too. Like, in there's the TV series, um, Sleepy Hollow, right? Is it called Sleepy Hollow? Yeah. I don't remember. I think so. Where yeah. Essentially, like, it, it's a continuation, literally, of the modern story where he got spirited away, but ends up in modern times. Mm. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so <laughs> I gave it a shot. I can give. No input. I, wa- I went back and watched it because there's like a crossover with another show. So I went back and I was like, sorry, I was like, oh, this is an interesting concept, but definitely like goes more into the deeper lore or the reasoning behind and things like that. Like there is no witch tree in Sleepy Hollow, but it's in like every other portrayal as like the explanation for the Headless Horseman. Um, mm-hmm. And for some reason, like obviously my memory says that's in the story, but it's not. There's a tree that is mentioned. Mm-hmm. But a tree, right. I feel like the illustrations that were included in my book kind of look like how the tree is in modern interpretations, especially um the Tim Burton one. Like, it's like they took it right out of the book 
illustration wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a terrible character. Yeah. Especially because his motivation for falling in love. I'm like, that really <laughs> irks me. It's like, yeah, you're going to make a great husband. <laughs> also, he's very proud of his singing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, hype that we didn't have him sing. Like, that. There's, that's not like a plot point. Like, he doesn't like, right. try to like sing his way out of the horseman attacking him or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe that'd make it more interesting though. If he did. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, might, that might make it make him a little better. <laughs> Even if it did fail, it would make him a little bit better. <laughs> it's like playing to your strengths. That's at least a smart thing to do <laughs> in any situation. Um, while we're on characters, shout out to Katrina's parents. Um, I have a quote here to read about them because it just encapsulates them so well. Um, Balt Van Tassel was an easy indulgent soul. He loved his daughter better even than his pipe. And like a reasonable man and an excellent father, let her have her way in everything. His notable little wife too had enough to do to attend to her housekeeping and manage her poultry. For as she sagely observed, ducks and geese are foolish things and must be looked after, but girls can take care of themselves. Yeah, I really liked that quote. Oh, parenting right there for an eighteen-year-old. I yeah. really like the mom in that situation. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I gotta take care of the geese and hens. You're, you're old. Go enough. deal with yourself. <laughs> you figure it out. Ain't got time for this. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Her dad liked her even better than his pipe. Like, oh, I hope good. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also so many priorities. Kind of a toss-up from day to day. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's very obviously this this book was written at another time. Just by some yeah. of the descriptions and things. You're like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad as Sherlock to throw back to our again to our I mean book. true. But like yeah. true. and like at least for this one, and I it, I think a lot of the time it came across more as like a commentary or sat like satire. Yeah. Like like to this point with the pipe. Like it it seems like this is more trying to be like it's a problem that this has to be said versus yeah. Sherlock where he's just like no women are the weaker sex and it's just like dude. Like, no we ain't. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. It's like because like Katrina's character is like is just being free and like doing her thing. It, 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 she's not portrayed as necessarily an object while the characters are written to treat her like one. Her mm -hmm. portrayal itself is not the subject of being objectified mm -hmm. necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's like the guys, yeah, treat her that way and in their rivalry to compete for her love and affection or just realizing that you're in love with her because you can inherit the farm type of situations. So that's a, that's a fault on the, the male characters. And not... is that, is that said for Brom? Like, do we see, do we ever get his 
Because I know that's very much Ichabod's. No, no, that's but, de- definitely, yeah. we don't really, it doesn't really focus, tell us right. much about like, uh, like Brahm's interest in her. Right. And so, and I think because of that, I, I, the reason I asked that was I wasn't sure if I missed it since I did do the audiobook. Um, and so like, and I think that's part of the reason, go back to favorite and least favorite characters. I kind of liked Brahm is like, since we don't get, he, he like his interest just seems more genuine. Like he seems much more like he's like almost like humoring, like like um, he and Katrina are like humoring Ichabod. Well, I feel like so like there is a portion in the story where Katrina seems to be humoring Brom to ward off unwanted. Yeah. Oh, like, true. She she obviously favors Ichabod in a sense, probably mm-hmm. just access in because it spends more time with him. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, although it's like Ichabod weasels his way into her life, um, yeah, through school and singing, um, um, and then uh, she doesn't decline on Brom, but keeps him around because it mentions that to kind of ward off unwanted um, solicitors. All the other men. Yeah, all the other men because they they don't want to compete with Rom, but Ichabod's no. like. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I do like that about Ichabod is that he's like, you know, I'm not going to let someone deter someone else deter me unless she tells me otherwise kind of situation. Um, but yeah. And then eventually, obviously toward the end after Ichabod disappears, she's end- ends up with Brahm anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Katrina is a little bit like Angela where she's like, <laughs> Yeah. Dwight and Andy can duel for me. We'll see what happens. I have had two men fight over me before. Yeah. (laughs) But then that might just be like, that that might be more attributed to her youth than just her personality. It's like, I'm... I mean, I guess I don't know. Eighteen in Mm. in this in the time period of this book, maybe not so much, but yeah. I mean, I think she's a little bit spoiled and likes the attention. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. At least from my standpoint, even today, having two men fight over me would be absolutely terrifying. Just in my humble opinion. I'd gladly take two women fighting over me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's because you're a man. (laughs) We have to worry about walking down the street in the dark. Thank you very much. I mean, true. <laughs> it's a very different story. <laughs> I mean, like it's it, it would be like it's two men you know in a fairly safe setting, buying for your attention, not two men stalking you in the dark down an alley. Fair enough. <laughs> or it would be you with one of the men and the other man stalking y'all <laughs> down an alley. I mean, that's true too. That that, that might be a little closer. <laughs> Yeah. How dare you friend zone me? (laughs) (laughs) I will not partake in a love triangle. (laughs) Oh man, we've gone off too late. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So on the first page of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, it says that this story is found among the papers of the late Diedrich Knickerbocker. Um, What does everyone think of the narrator? Diedrich Knickerbocker. 
I think he's trying very hard not to share his opinions, and he occasionally fails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's accurate, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, liked the narrator quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think it was a good way of telling the story where, like, again, you kind of get into that idea of satire, where, like, he's yeah. telling this story, and he's very much presenting it as a true story and just kind of like, look at how ridiculous these people are. Like that kind of thing. And so I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a good, um, a good way of, ha- of giving us more information on the town without making it like, without making Ichabod our point of view character as we learn new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking some stuff up and it says that uh, Washington Irving uses this persona of Diedrich Knickerbocker um, quite often, um, as a chronicler of Dutch history. So it's kind of used to like establish it as a true story. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Also these anglicized Dutch names get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knickerbocker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, what, you're one of the Knickerbockers. <laughs> Ah, you're one of them folks. (laughs) Uh, But I I like him. I like that because it it, he's human and the fact that like he obviously has certain um, favoritism, but presents information in his descriptions in general without like just blatantly like providing his opinion or uh, of a person or situation. Um, But it's kind of just infused with how, like, the things he chooses to describe about people, like Igonot mm-hmm. or like Bra, like it's like obviously there's there's opinion there because those are the things that you are trying to put forth in your description of them. While it doesn't necessarily tell the whole picture, it's just your opinion of that person, um, but without saying this person is dumb. <laughs> So in the epilogue, it describes a scene where Knickerbocker has heard the story from an unnamed storyteller. Um, Any conjectures about who the storyteller could be? It's like a bod crane. (laughs) Either the storyteller is Ichabod Crane, or there is, at least in my version, a third guy in that epilogue who has, who like asked the storyteller about it or about the moral. And that guy's Ichabod Crane. And he's just sitting there like, I was there. And this story you're telling is only one third true. So. Yeah, I kind of took it as being like, not necessarily like Brahm and Katrina's kids, but kind of being the like, the, story that like their kids would tell on the schoolyard and then this person who didn't believe it because they just assumed kids were like exaggerated like that kind of thing mm-hmm. or it's like like that town the town legend as told through like a young kid that kind of thing yeah when i was a kid at the school i went to there was this on the playground field there was this old metal box in one corner that i think had 
electrical equipment in it at one point. But the story at the school was that there was a almost like a Bloody Mary, but like an old lady ghost who lived inside the box in the corner of the field. So that was like our Headless Horseman at the school was that the old metal box in the corner of the field was haunted and it got passed down from fifth graders to fourth graders and so on. So I don't know why I just thought of that, but relevant. (laughs) I mean, similarly, like just my my initial great elementary school, there's like the original, original, like old schoolhouse building on the same property that's just used for storage. It's mostly boarded up. So there's always lore and stories going around about that place, especially when there's bats flying out of it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Always make up stories about that place. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking bats. I love Halloween. And get sent, to, sent, get sent to the principal's office for trying to pull up boards. One <laughs> <laughs> in. Let me in. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all these chickens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If you could hear this story from another point of view, whose would you choose? Brom. Or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Is it Brom? Yep. I should know this. The local school yeah. teacher Ichabod's trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, it's like, because I want, I want that perspective to be like, well, Ichabod, you're not a, you're not so great yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be so hot, hoity-toity. You haven't gotten there yet. I think Katrina would be really interesting um, to hear her side of, like, especially in that, in that sense of like, like with the end where it's implied that Brahm is the one, is the headless horseman. Like, yeah. like by implied, I mean, you know, basically said, <laughs> but not exactly like that kind of thing. Like, yeah. I, I'd be really interested to hear like what she knew about it. And like, again, not necessarily that she was in on the whole thing, but her being like, yeah, it was wrong. Like, I also want to yeah. hear about like her final conversation with Ichabod. Hmm. Yeah. Because it, it was, he left in a huff. He left in a huff he and was, also he was huffy. The 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 narrator literally says, I can't imply to know what was talked about since like just before that is talking about how Ichabod felt pretty sure of himself. And then this happens and that it's just left in the air. Um I want to know what that conversation was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it, it can sort of be you can if you're gonna take a like stretch it with the implication that Brahm is the headless horseman. You can sort of guess that in that conversation, she told Ichabod that she was gonna marry Brahm. But again, like the narrator, you don't know for sure. So, mm-hmm. gunpowder. Gunpowder. Gun <laughs> He's the real hero. I want the I want the personification of gunpowder as a story. <laughs> yep. Just, just, just his portion. <laughs> like my owner let this guy borrow me for the day and <laughs> he just kicked me like 15 times. And he made me lose my best Sunday saddle. 
MVP. That's the best yeah. one I, like I had. Every, every as in the two book clubs we've had, we've picked a random side character <laughs> yeah. to become the MVP of the chat. Yeah. So you know it. They're underappreciated. My characters are what make good yeah. stories. Yeah. <laughs> they need their time to shine too. They need their time. They do. They really do. All right. Well, the main character is not really shining, so. No. <laughs> Rather dull. Yeah. All right. Did you find the world and the characters believable? I did. Like, like enough. Yeah. Like, especially with the fact that it, it's it's a ghost story, not a story about ghosts. Like, yeah. and, and I think that that was um, played really well. I, that's That's something that I think the story shines for is that um and and because of that i think it's believable like if if we wouldn't have had that time where it was implied that brahm is the headless horseman and it was left as yeah. as this supernatural thing chased ichabod away like i think then i would find it a lot less believable but yeah. with that it just becomes this um real town where like people are and one yeah, of them gets easily spooked. Gonna, yeah. I was going to say something pretty similar and just that, like, again, it's a town in a time where courting is a thing that's super extensive and, and like, mm -hmm. people will do what they must in order to win the lady's hand. And it does imply that Rom was the headless horseman and he was doing what he could to win the lady's hand. And that was like, okay, that makes it believable in a town where there's lots of folklore. Yeah, I think it's very like satirized and exaggerated, but like close enough to reality that you're like, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I can also picture it just because, you know, townships in general were smaller. Um, mm -hmm. And being in Montana, like, like the way stories spread and stuff in like small towns, especially super small towns that are like more removed from like modern conveniences. Um, it's really easy to picture like the chain of events in the story and for mm -hmm. them to be feasible. All right. Any favorite quotes? Yes. So I'll just say while, while you're getting that, Shanine, you took mine. <laughs> So I love that quote about Katrina's parents. It's so hilarious. Like I, I, I yeah. think that's probably my favorite um, in the whole thing. It's so good. Um, so when I was talking earlier about the description of Ichabod, I have this one highlighted that his hands, he had hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, feet that might've served for shovels and his whole frame most loosely hung together. But what, like, when it, he just said, hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, that just got me laughing. Because, mm -hmm. like, you can imagine, you can say that so many different ways, but Washington Irving decided to say, his hands dangled a mile out of his sleeves, not just mm -hmm. his arms were too long for his sleeves or whatever. And that just got me laughing, so. 
there is a point where like they're kind of explaining like the kind of the, some of the other ghost stories or like kind of the hauntings of Sleepy Hollow. Um, it's like besides there is no encouragement for ghosts in most of our villages for they have scarcely had time to finish their first nap and turn themselves into their graves before their surviving friends have traveled away from their from the neighborhood so that when they turn out at night to walk their rounds they have no acquaintance left to call upon this is perhaps the reason why we so seldom hear of ghosts except in our long established dutch communities um also just speaking to like the how young these these settlements are um but also that like it makes sense that something older such as something from the revolutionary war may be what's causing hauntings and that mm -hmm. obviously everyone else here being younger hasn't had a chance to start haunting local, local areas mm -hmm. also speaks to the perspective of how they perceived hauntings um for that time period Yeah, another of my favorite quotes is also talking about Sleepy Hollow and their just huge belief in ghosts. Um, it is remarkable that the visionary propensity I have mentioned is not confined to the native inhabitants of the valley, but is unconsciously imbibed by everyone who resides there for a time. However wide awake they may have been before they entered that sleepy region, they are sure in a little time to inhale the witching influence of the air and begin to grow imaginative, to dream dreams and see apparitions. Um, yeah, I found it interesting how like it's called Sleepy Hollow and they're so often described as being sleepy and that's mm -hmm big contributor I guess to their belief in the supernatural <laughs> however extensive that may be yeah and I think that that's it again with that that idea of it being believable I think that that kind of ties that that idea together that the people here want to believe ghost stories yeah like like not just Ichabod but the whole town that this is what I they believe want ghost stories <laughs> it's just a matter of how much you hype yourself up over it for camp as a young life leader I used to always bring a book of ghost stories to read to them worth it <laughs> yeah especially like ones locally it's like it's great but that makes it so much more fun because it's camp oh yeah <laughs> Except for when they don't sleep. <laughs> Got them. That's on you then. <laughs> Were they really sleeping Not at on Young them. Life Camp anyways? Yeah, are you really sleeping at camp anyway? <laughs> I wasn't. I was too busy. <laughs> You're too busy spooked by the ghost stories you read. <laughs> uh, this is why Chris sympathizes they were behaving so much. <laughs> yeah. And his, and his love for food. <laughs> Yeah, like when it describes him like looking at food, I'm like, I I, I get that. Same. I get that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. Was there anything in the book that surprised you? Not really. I, I think for me, it's it's stuff that we've already mentioned. 
it's the headless horseman not being as big of a thing. And then, um, and I think Chris said this at like the very beginning, it's Ichabod not being that likable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I very much remembered mm-hmm. Ichabod being like, oh, the school teacher who's just trying to get the girl. And putting like, Brahm, like he, like his character should be written in like the person that puts Brahm in his place for being right. a brute. That's like my perception of Ichabod, but that's not him in the book yeah, <laughs> by right. any means. Did you notice any biblical or theological themes? So I was reading a blog post today called Fear and Darkness and the Legend of Sleepy Hollow over on where? The hootenhow.com. <laughs> and I was and, waiting for it. I was like, oh, that's I've had it open this it? whole time. <laughs> just waiting for the moment to do that exact setup. <laughs> um and yeah, and so I mean. Shout out, go read Shanine's article. I'll drop a link in chat. Um, and I, I think in that you really summarized like like the biggest ones being fear and especially that fear of the unknown of darkness. Um, and that kind of as a whole, um, one of the things that reminded me a lot of was the, and this, I don't, it's, it's kind of a journey to get there, but um, it's Abraham um, at the Red Sea where like the Israelites are all backed up against the wall. The Egyptians are coming. Um, Abraham, Moses. I was like, um, like, wrong one. Um, got there. I got there though. Wait, I was like, when was Abraham at the Red Sea? (laughs) Thank you, Oklahoma Christian. Um, (laughs) Moses at the Red Sea. And, um, he, where, and the Egyptians are coming and he's like, God, what do we do? And God just says, move like, like, raise your hands, part the Red Sea, you know what to do. Like, and, and I think that um, kind of that idea of fear plays into not knowing like what God wants from us. And like, that's kind of that, that taking that, that idea and applying it out to other things. Like it's that fear of what, what could get in the way of what could be not part of God's plan. Um, at least that's what it is more so for me. But like, I think that that is at least the major theme that I identified with. Um, well, I mean, in general, also like fear is a tool that gives things power that don't normally have any power. Yeah. And that again goes back to Ichabod psyching himself up. Exactly. Like he gave, and like, even if it, if it turns out to be fake, he gave a lot of his power due to fear to a mm-hmm. story. Right. Yeah. Was unreasonable. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if it was unknown or anything like, like there's that power in that. And it's like the same for anything. Like that's why we aren't given a spirit of fear is that because by through fear, we give things power. So like fear of even, even things that are supposed to be there to corrupt us. Like, so fear in, in the dark arts is what give them power over or possible power over. We are given dominion over those such of things. If they are to exist, that we have power over them through through the redemption of Christ. But yeah. Well said, Chris. Um I think I was also thinking a lot about how like fear can just grow when you leave it in the darkness. Like everything looks so much scarier in the dark. Um, like Ichabod with 
random trees and stuff <laughs> like that. He's like, yeah, all of these are ghosts out to get me. It's like, no, that's it's just a tree. It's just a weed it's over there. Like, <laughs> like when your cat brings in a giant moth and you think it's a bat flying around in your room. <laughs> oh, just yeah, me? or just that. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, my cat's brought us garter snakes. So I mean, I mean, he's brought in a lot of things, but just one time because he's brought a he has brought a bat home once. Okay, and he brought it into my room, and it was still alive, and it flew around and had to spend. So you actually had a bat flying around. That's your room. Ha- that's happened too. And then he, the next time, it was it was I thought it was that bat because it was a it was a giant moth. <laughs> it was huge, and it, you could hear it fluttering. And it was like you brought in another bat. <laughs> and it was a it was a moth, a giant moth, but nonetheless, it's like yeah. When you, now when I wake up and I hear it fluttering, I'm like, you get rabies. <laughs> yes. So in the dark, moths can seem like bats, but we're told so many times not. that Jesus is the light. So and the moth is gonna and it's gonna be attracted <laughs> and so gonna attract the moth so you can capture it and get it away from you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> logic. So I don't know. That that's was how, the point. That's how Jesus sure. saved. <laughs> Jesus is alive. Somehow we got there. <laughs> attracts the moth that you think is a bat. <laughs> that you think is a bat. So you can get it out of your room and have a peaceful night's sleep. Gotcha. Yeah. and learned. <laughs> All right, there you go. The moral of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> this is what the Bible does not tell you about <laughs> how you're saved. First Geek 412. But <laughs> 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 definitely agree. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Read the, I the blog post. <laughs> definitely um, read the blog post. <laughs> So we get a provided moral of the story, quote unquote, in the epilogue. Um, what what do you all think of that? I have it somewhere. Okay. Jose, can you read it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So the storyteller um, thinks that the story was intended most logically to prove that there is no situation in life but has its advantages and pleasures, provided we will but take a joke as we find it, that therefore he that runs races with goblin troopers is likely to have rough riding of it. Ergo, for a a country schoolmaster to be refused the hand of a Dutch heiress is a certain step to high preferment in the state. Hmm. I like the beginning of that. Goblins, Me yeah, because I like that like that <laughs> quote of like the one who runs the run who the one who runs from goblins is have rough riding that part. I really liked that because like I, I think that that's yeah. like, and, and I guess to me that's close to the moral of the story, of like, um, if you spend all your time running from what you fear, you're going to spend a lot of time running, um, yeah, and it's going to be difficult. But if you turn around and look or look closely in Ichabod's case, you'll realize that the thing that you're afraid of might not be that what you're afraid of. I think I said, I said afraid a lot in that, but. Might just be your rival. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts on the moral of the story? All right, anything else that stood out to you from the legend of Sleepy Hollow? I want to hear some of his stories from Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have anything other than what we've mentioned already. Yep. All right. Uh, we've touched on this, but how does it compare with other pop culture representations? Shanine, I hope you're ready. <laughs> Bring it, Cameron. <laughs> so I'm ready. So as mentioned on... On Monday and with episode. that, that's <laughs> <laughs> stream just crashes. All right, it's like all oh, frames are dropping. I don't know what's going on. Oh, 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 oh. As mentioned on the Monday episode, um, we watched the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow, and um, one of the jokes that we had in our podcast host chat on our Discord is that Wednesday Cameron radically disagreed with Monday's Cameron's take on the on that movie. Um. And, um, and so it was so interesting, like having at one point in time, read the story, then watching that movie and being like, did I just completely make things up? And then doing, I did the audiobook the next day on Tuesday. And I was like, oh no, the movie's just completely different. Okay. Like, just like not remotely close. And I was just like, okay, I see what you did, Tim Burton. I'm not sure why you did it but i see what you did like like you basically that that interpretation basically completely changes everything about the story yeah and i was just like oh i kind of like it less now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean for like the modern take the 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 Tim Burton version definitely because it, it's Tim Burton dwells on the darkness of the story and wants to pose it as a reality more than right. just a story. Um, and I like how they flushed out certain details um, to dive into that more fantastical element of the story in the, in the Tim Burton aspect. But I think I'm also, I, I think I'm also just leaning more so at the time when that movie was came out and everything, I was a big, big Tim Burton fan. So I think I just have this hindsight view or like, I, I'm just remembering it as I remembered it when I was a big Tim Burton fan. Also, Deanna posted this in chat. Shout out to Christopher Walken as the Headless Horseman in the Tim Burton movie. Very he indeed true. was that role. Yeah. Um. And I'm super upset they didn't have him do, like, he didn't say anything. Like, I mean, even once he gets his head back, like, you, you had Christopher Walken, but then he didn't do the thing. Didn't have a single line. <laughs> he just sort of stood just there. Just lit it up for the imagination. Yeah. Um, I will also say, like, the, the TV series that ran from 2013 to 2017, um, it poses more... Uh, biblical apocalypse theory themes 
as a continuation of the original story. So ultimately, obviously, it, pr- it presents the Headless Horseman as probably one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and then continues to expand on that, like, going forward. So, I mean, I, I like the things that have come out of the story. Um, and because of the way it was written, because it was left kind of open-ended and things like that, there's a lot of things left that you can, uh, for that, creative license when you're developing new adaptations to the story. And I like that because now you can't be so critical of modern adaptations because they aren't close to it just because of how open-ended the story itself is. Yeah. I really appreciate the Disney version of it. I think it really captures Mm -hmm. like the comical satirical side of it. And I think it keeps like the mystery of the story quite well. And here's the thing about the Tim Burton one. I I love Dark and Twisted and Tim Burton on paper seems like exactly the type of director that I would love and like I should love everything that he does. And I always go in expecting it to be amazing and then I hate it. (laughs) <laughs> that was me with like M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> I like M. Night Shyamalan yeah. I can't do Tim like Burton some of his stuff. Yeah, there is no movie I in just... Bossing Say I-, I think Tim Burton's <laughs> definitely hit or miss with the project he takes on anymore like looking back so like this was like if anyone was going to do a good Sleepy Hollow it was going to be Tim Burton it just ended up maybe like in terms of at least today isn't what you would probably want from him. Yeah. It's just, um, I mean, so I, th- I think that, yeah, like to what Janine said, I think that Tim Burton could have played more with the actual themes of the book. Cause, yeah. and like, nah. cause like there's like, the, there's like the actual like theme of witchcraft and like in the course in the Tim Burton movie, there are witches, but like, I think that he he could play a movie that built more on that idea of this town that is scared and there's people psyching themselves. Yeah. And even if there are actual witches in the town, actual witches in air quotes, um, like you could play into that idea of fear and make it more of a Salem-y witch trial type story where there's this fear of the headless horseman um, rather than having it be, like this revenge story. A real headless horseman. Yeah. Also the headless horseman in that isn't a isn't isn't a German mercenary. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Is he? Yeah. In, yeah. in the original? Oh, is he? Oh. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't have to talk is like Christopher Walken. He just couldn't do the accent. German. <laughs> I don't remember. It's been a long time since I watched that movie and I don't plan on watching it again. Um I will not be go. watching it again. I don't know. I feel like I really I've never seen it, so I'll just keep it. I that love way. Johnny Depp, but I feel like Ichabod Crane, like on top of being unlikable, was not even interesting. And like when it's focusing around in a really uninteresting main character, that's you're starting off on a bad foot and there just wasn't anything to help it recover. Oh, and I felt like there should have been more spooks, and I wasn't so spooked general, at all. I was just like bored. Or, yes, 
I do you just not don't like, like it. So you don't like Edward Scissorhands? I do like Edward Scissorhands. It's not <laughs> it's not like one of my favorite movies ever, but like I enjoyed it. But like in general. It doesn't make the top 50. <laughs> no, probably not. Oh, I just I I'm I'm still a big fan of Tim Burton. Granted, I, I'm not saying he can't do no wrong, but yeah, we can save this conversation for our post show channel. And, and I will say on over, like but. Uh, modern interpretations, like I think one of the things that the Disney one did so well is that like Washington Irving's descriptions play very well into animation. True, true. And that's what Disney very, did so well. Very well, well. like yeah. like. And of course, now we're combining Tim Burton things, but like a Sleepy Hollow in the aesthetic of Nightmare Before Christmas, like that stop motion, like style yeah. would be really cool. Probably would have been. Better. Well, in that, yeah. Like, like I mentioned earlier, the, like my biggest memory of the Headless Horseman is that Disney mm-hmm. with a pumpkin head, like that is my biggest mental image of the headless horseman and i definitely agree in that if tim burton were to redo the movie it would benefit more from having that stop motion Mm. um track of because they can definitely do like capture that more of that whimsical feeling of a myth that is present in the book. All right. So we have mentioned a few stories that we would like to have further explored. Um, So would you read more stories or a longer story from this setting? For me, it's hard to say. I would. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just, I would. Um, if if they were all, like, if, if he had written more short stories in this similar style um, that, like, branched off from this main one. So, like, talking about where Brom, like, something to do with Brom and getting married or... Um, even gunpowder for whatever <laughs> random reason. Like I would love to read those, I... but if they were lo- longer, then probably not. <laughs> now I'm just picking like a feature length film about gunpowder. <laughs> like, like it's like a dog. Oh, secretary. It's just gunpowder. <laughs> that's that's the, picture I'm, that's the movie I'm picturing right now. It's a blockbuster. <laughs> it probably would be actually. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's hard to say because I, I think, as I said earlier, I think one of the best parts of this story is that it doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, not in that being said, and we we've kind of hinted on it with the with headless the headless horseman showing up more throughout the book as a possible way of doing it. Like, I do think that there could be a a double or triple the length story where Ichabod is being haunted by the Headless Horseman. Um, and you could do that type of story, but it's like, but it's hard to say. Cause like I said, I think one of the benefits is 
how short this is and it's it's a self-contained story and it gets you the spook at the end and then you're done <laughs> mm-hmm. like i could do more on like the style focusing on like some of the other stories from yeah. the area or the era for the most part um but yeah i definitely don't think we need more headless horsemen and i'm not sure you know i'm realizing that Washington Irving himself isn't necessarily my favorite author. Like I like I like how short the stories were and they are easy to digest. But some of the th- details he focuses on, I'm just like, okay. All right. Well, I'm happy this wasn't the length of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I would have given up very quickly if that were the case, <laughs> truth be told. Well, segueing into the next question, Chris would not read more Washington Irving. <laughs> what about the rest of everybody? <laughs> Greg and I were talking. I mean... Um, go ahead, Emma. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's definitely a big debate or a bit of a toss-up like if i were assigned more washington irving for like a class i would enjoy reading it but i wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to hunt down and find more of his stuff to read just of my own accord like there's other books that i have that i prefer to read first or that i gravitate to before reading more of his stuff, not to say that his stuff isn't enjoyable. Right, and I think that maybe that's like my point is like, I wouldn't read more because I have read more. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, like obviously like, I, I most of us maybe bought like, when we got Sleepy Hollow came in a pairing with a certain other Washington Irving story. Um. Oh man, what's it yep. called? Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> I was like Rumpled Stiltskin. That's not right. Um, yeah, and that, that's kind of what I was saying. Greg and I had a conversation. I think in the Saving the Game Discord because he recently re- reread that as well, and it's one that he was saying is radically different than what you remember. And so it's one that that I want to go back and at least reread that. Um, and then I'm kind of interested in, like. I guess it's I'm just on Wikipedia called the stuck the sketchbook of Jeffrey um, crayon gent. Um, and it's like a collection of short stories, which is where the legend of sleepy hollow, I guess is found. Um, and so I'd kind of be interested in reading more of that. Um, and the other like short stories that are in there are just seeing if there's anything else that jumps out, but kind of and that's where rip van winkle is in there as well but i'd kind of be interested in that but other than that not necessarily i would i would read more washington irving if somebody said you liked the satire side of um sleepy hollow here's another work that's similar but yeah um my sleepy hollow was in a collection of washington irvings not the one that you said chris but just like a random or Cameron. Um, sorry. Um, 
It's okay. I've messed up you also. <laughs> or even now. Um, yeah. I, they were like fine. I didn't love them. I think Sleepy Hollow's definitely his most famous one for a reason. I think where his legacy ties is how simple his stories were. So they're easy to tell verbally or orally. You know, so you you they they lend to this kind of folk story esque telling, um, and I think that's where like my fondness for his stories come from is like Rip Van Winkle is a good story to tell, maybe not so good to read. Yeah. Well, because it lends to both that and Sleepy Hollow lend to some amount of personal exaggeration without completely derailing or ruining the story. Like you can, and I mean, this just comes from working in the educational system, having to retell things like the Three Little Pigs and Snow White off the top of my head after not having read them or watched the movies in years. Like, these are good stories that you can tell off the top of your head and get most of the details and still fill in the gaps in a way that makes the story effective and entertaining for whoever you're telling it to. So. It just works better and soup very well when you're sitting around a campfire roasting marshmallows late at night or whatever. Whenever you're, yeah. <laughs> Don't play with fire kids. <laughs> or do. <laughs> or do, but um. <laughs> then put it out. Make sure there isn't a fire ban going on. I did and I turned out fine. <laughs> I plead with you. <laughs> Do not evacuate people from their homes. It is awful. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, to wrap us up at the end of the story, the townsfolk don't know what happens to Ichabod and essentially land on who cares. Um, an old farmer says that Ichabod left for fear of the headless horseman as well as Hans van Ripper, whose saddle he ruined. Um, also gunpowder. And also. embarrassment <laughs> of being put off by Katrina, um, moved to the city, continued teaching, studied law, and became a judge. And, and the old country wives hold to the story that Ichabod was spirited away by supernatural means. And then, of course, Brombones may or may not have been involved. So what do you think happened to Ichabod Crane? I think he got a mighty bad concussion. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. I think he was whisked off and put into a coma <laughs> until modern time. <laughs> until modern time. Yeah. And then we see that his continuation in the series of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> no, I'm just I think I think the way it poses this question in the story is so weird to me mostly because of the time we live in now 
Like, how do you not just know that someone left your town and went off and lived this entire life, like doing yeah. these other things? Mm-hmm. It's like, and that mostly what comes do you mean that you don't know where they went. That to? <laughs> I can cyber stalk someone and find out, yeah. especially if if you're doing something as extravagant as becoming a judge or something along those lines. It's like I can Google you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they are alive. Okay, this is what they're doing. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas, so like this idea that he did that and no one in town knows and they still think he was whisked off by the headless horseman <laughs> is crazy to me if that's true <laughs> yeah my take is that he got scared off went to another town and basically married that town's equivalent of katrina <laughs> like because like just for the thing right, like it's because it's clearly shown he doesn't actually love her it's more about and, and like what we talked about. It's, yeah, it's the status of marrying her. The leisure, the leisurement yeah. of what he would mm-hmm. gain from that from that union. Exactly, and I, and so my take was that that's what he did. He just well, I got scared away from this place to so just go to the next place, and who knows? That could even be why he left Connecticut. Like, yeah, like he just kind of like stuff happens. He gets spooked, leaves the town, goes to the next one, et cetera, et cetera. Or he's he's actually just really loves scary like the lore <laughs> of scary stories. So he's actually traveling from town to town, getting scared off on purpose to allow this legend of something that in that town to continue <laughs> carrying on. That's what's that's to like that's reinforce it. Yeah, exactly. He's like it's like oh they've got this talk about this as a horseman. What if we make it so someone actually disappears because of it? <laughs> yeah. Dun dun Because I think we mentioned it earlier, but. There was no evidence of the headless horseman Mm -hmm. before Ichabod. It was just like a story. And then Ichabod came along and suddenly someone disappears because of this guy. So that I can definitely see that working. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) All right. Any final thoughts on the legend of Sleepy Hollow? Highly recommend. Like, yeah, um, good story. Yeah. Even if, like I said, I did the audiobook. It's the one I did was an hour and forty minutes. Like, mm-hmm. it's very Which is easy. Like to- half an hour for you, right? Well, I did it at yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, we lived a fast life. Um, I think I was on one point seven five for this one, but um, dang, yeah, and so. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I think it's a great story. And and I think Janine to what you said, it's there's a reason that this is one of his most well-known works. And mm-hmm. and we see references to the story in like so many modern things in general, even if it's not the Headless Horseman directly. It's like I'm pretty sure it's been featured or like the the idea of the Headless Horseman, obviously. Scooby-Doo. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. you know there's obviously an episode regarding that and probably one of the more iconic halloween episodes was probably i think if i remember correctly was a headless horseman episode well and there's there's someone here in ss park where so downtown has a like a big trick-or-treating thing every year and there's someone who owns horses who will every year dress up as a headless horseman and walk around downtown on one of their horses so they are literally the headless horseman and it is great and they've literally desensitized their horse to that costume. Hmm. 
so that they can do it as like a Halloween tradition. And it's fantastic. And I wish I had a picture because it's one of the best things I've ever seen. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I want to get a horse just to do that. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I mean, I live in Montana. I can buy a horse pretty easily. (laughs) Yeah, I'm more concerned about your handling a horse. I can handle a horse. (laughs) I've grown up in Montana. (laughs) I've helped friends break horses before. Have fun. No, I'm I'm good. I I don't got enough time for that. (laughs) And nobody got time for that. (laughs) Alrighty. on that note we are chatting about having another watch party i guess stay tuned in our discord for that there is a jeff goldblum version on youtube fyi so oh yeah we talked about that that's right so yes Uh, um, i read that (laughs) stay i saw that (laughs) and Our November book club will be taking place on November 19th, and we will be reading Advent, A Thread in the Night by E.M. Welcher. Ta-da, this is what it looks like. Oh, you have a physical copy? I do, I bought it. That's a good reason to have a physical copy. I mean, that's a good copy. That's a good copy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I just like, I don't know where I'd find this. (laughs) It is available on Amazon. Um, there you it go. Is an excellent Amazon Advent book um, with contemplations, I guess, for mm-hmm. every day in December leading up to Christmas. I highly recommend it. It is not your typical Advent book. Looking forward to talking yep. about it next month. Yeah, and there, and we're doing it in November so that we can kind of talk about it, and people can be if they want to then do it in December. They can. So that's why we chose to because yep. also. We do, we do have the book picked out for December if you want to get a jump start on that. We're doing The Letters from Father Christmas by Tolkien. I'm so stoked for this story. <laughs> I love Yay. these stories <laughs> so much. I haven't, I haven't even finished it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the easiest Tolkien ever. <laughs> yeah. Father Christmas. So it's just letters that he wrote to his children. <laughs> But I am so excited for this. And I'm excited. I started reading um, like the first part of the Advent Advent book already. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so I'm really excited about that. And I think it'll be good for us to to get a good Jesus-y talk in too. Mm-hmm. Yay, Jesus. <laughs> also for Tolkien, everyone start practicing their voices because for letters from father christmas you need to have voices ready oh we're gonna do like full like audiobook style oh yeah great multiple maybe voices? not but uh huh <laughs> or, or just like a character voices voice. <laughs> well so there's 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 father christmas there's mm-hmm. the polar bear and there's an elf that writes letters um in these stories so there's there's multiple characters throughout these that are writing letters to his children and and they also have like little footnotes sometimes some of them add footnotes to the letters that father christmas is sending too so it's like there's multiple voices on any given letter too 
I am excited. I've never heard of this one. So I'm rather thrilled to be reading it. <laughs> yeah, same. The more you tell me about it, the more delightful it sounds. And I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like the kind of book I would have loved as a kid. <laughs> we should also mention like in this story, in, in his book, like these, these, it's, he also tests out the early editions of the Elvis he used in Lord of the Rings and in, in Middle Earth War. So you're giving it all early. away well, before we get to December. <laughs> I know, but didn't, I'm not telling well, you. Like, I'm just saying what they expect. Okay, okay, I'm done. Didn't Lord, of, didn't Lord of the Rings originate as a story that he was telling his kids at bedtime? Or is that just a rumor I heard? Like he started it, like the like the way he came up with the I think concept. Maybe was The he was Hobbit. Like, Okay. Like, then again, so I feel Hobbit, like that's how. Like in a sense, okay. he told these fantastical stories, and he just ultimately really okay. developed the world, the world of it. But Lord of the Rings itself was written as a major project, and so I mean, like a lot of things. Right. Maybe I think it's. I would say it's more so the other way. Like he used inspiration from his work to tell stories to his children. Yeah. More so than he used the stories he's telling his children yeah. as inspiration for his work. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about who Tolkien was, like I think that was the probably more the bigger way that he, that he approached his yeah. his writing. And we'll talk about that more in December. Exactly. Yay. Yeah. Or after the show too. <laughs> but let's yeah. close up the show. <laughs> yes. Before we just All go right. off into a whole different book club. <laughs> so. <laughs> three hours later (laughs) and this was our book club on the legend of sleepy hollow we are first geek 411 you can find us on all the social medias and our playstation community join our discord server to have more rabbit trail conversations like this email us at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com Watch us live on Twitch on Mondays and find us on YouTube. Rate and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And check out our website at onegeek411.com. And also go listen to our sister podcast, Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust for all things Disney. I'm Shanine at the Hoot and Howl on Twitter and Hoot and Howl Tales, T-A-L-E-S on Instagram. I am I am not prepared with an eye on pretty much all medias at this point. I'm Humar Whittle. And I'm not so foreign. Happy Halloween. Freaking bats. <laughs> Wash your hands. <laughs> Look at all those chickens.